I'm Captain Kirk. Fascinating. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Thank you, thank you. Love you. Most illogical. I saw it. Well, that was different. Yep, rousy, but different. Places, please. And here we go. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, bears, Orions, and things to episode 70 of the Muppet Trek Podcast. I'm Jarman. And I'm Steve. We're here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. Jarman, what are those? Those are, of course, the Muppets and Star Trek. And we do one-to-one reviews in the Muppet Show and Star Trek, the original series. And this week, we have special Muppet Show guest Roger Miller and Star Trek, the original series episode, Whom Gods Destroy. Ooh. Now, now, Steve, who the hell is this uh, Roger Miller character? I don't blame you for asking that question. Uh, he's an American singer, songwriter, while, and while widely considered a country musician, really he wrote comedy novelty songs. Mm. What does our audience know him from? Well, he has many recognizable songs, but he became unknowingly internet famous when his song Whistle Stop was sped up and pitched up and used for the early internet meme site Hamster Dance. Oh, that's him. I had no idea. Up <laughs> from his song Whistle Stop. One of the yep. first memes so you've ever. You've all heard him, <laughs> internet people. You've all heard it, whether you knew it or not. That's funny. I didn't know that. But what's he up to this week on The Muppet Show? Well, backstage, uh, the, the the backstage part, which spills on stage, is that the performers are seemingly turning into chickens because <laughs> they have cluckitis. The Swedish chef turns into a chicken, and then eventually Scooter and Nephew Robin and New Zealand an animal and Fozzie and Floyd and Piggy and many others become chickens uh, on stage this week. Kermit introduces Roger Miller, but first a gaggle of penguins dressed as pilgrims hit the stage on the Mayflower and they perform Alabama bound. <laughs> Next up, we have Roger Miller singing in the summertime joined, uh, joined by some performing fruit and features some of his classic scatting. <laughs> Hitting the stage next is Bear on Patrol. Fozzie is injured repeatedly as the piggy brings in reenacts, kicking him and hurting him in all sorts of ways. My favorite of which was making squishy, squishy with his nose. That was so good. <laughs> After this, we get Roger Miller performing that the hat where he inquires about a series of interesting hats. Slowly, everyone on stage turns into a chicken as Cluckitis spreads. Up next, we get Rolf playing Pop Goes the Weasel. He turns into a chicken at the last moment and completes the song with his beak. We then take a trip to Veterinarian's Hospital where the doctor and nurses are all chickens. <laughs> and we get many, many, many chicken puns. Kermit introduces Roger's file number uh, before himself turning into a chicken. Roger performs like a mel- medley of his songs which, with a bunch of chickens, including You, ha- you Had a do whack a doo <laughs> Dang me, my uncle used to love me, but she died. And ending with, you can't roller skate in a buffalo herd. Kermit the chicken thanks Roger Miller one last time. Roger hits the stage and tells him that Cluckitis will pass in a few days. And the end credit credits are replaced with everyone as a chicken, including the band. <laughs> and this is what we call the Muppet Show. German, what did you think of this week's episode with guest Roger Miller? I guess he's kind of like a, a country uh, Weird Al Yankovic kind of thing. It's kind of strange. Kind of. Yeah. Certainly a predecessor. Yeah. he's. I think his uh, quirky style definitely fits well with The Muppet Show because it's just weird and absurd and bizarre because um, he doesn't 
a lot of his lyrics don't quite make sense altogether. And then he starts scatting out of nowhere. It's <laughs> just like, what is going on? Um, it did seem at times he seemed a little bored to be there. But maybe it's just kind of his style. Or maybe he's just bored playing his old songs still or something. I think he was high out of his mind. Or high out of his mind. That's very I think that's what was going on. I honestly. didn't consider that point. But that's you come up possible. with all those goofy songs, you're not you're not just a normal dude, you know. <laughs> Probably high as hell, you're right. Um I, I think of the idea of everyone slowly turning into chickens was very unique. I was not expecting that, and it was carried out really well, even like you said, into the very end where yeah, the whole ending is redone. Um, so yeah, it's it's like a you know slightly upper middle episode for me as far as that goes. Some interest I've never seen this guy before, and he's definitely quirky and strange. Uh, I I agree. I think this is I think this is easily towards the top of this season. Maybe not the show as a whole. That's possible. Yeah. This season between the unique guest who was willing to do a lot of stuff and and he did his stuff, but it fit. Yeah, it, so makes it didn't sense. matter that he did his stuff. It would make sense the Muppets liking his music. <laughs> right. Uh, you know that I'm a sucker for when the backstage plot bleeds in. Right. And it certainly did. <laughs> love that. Like, bled, bled it all over the place. Uh, and I loved getting to see all the characters as chicken characters. Mm-hmm. Because it was just the same performer just performing a chicken instead. And at the very end, Statler and Waldorf uh are possums they're possums but yet they still they act like they're dogs they start barking and it's just very strange <laughs> <laughs> um so i think between all of those factors then you get some familiar stuff like veterinarian's hospital as chickens. a few of those classics i i just think overall very strong episode yeah like it was, it was very different and unique and they had to do a lot for it um yeah well music this week alabama bound by Ray Henderson and Buddy De Silva and Bud Green, made popular by another musical you've never heard of, Kid Boots. <laughs> Not the story boots. <laughs> of a lowlife and con artist caddy working at a golf course in Palm Beach, Florida. Weird. In the summertime, uh, by the group Mungo Jerry. I had to look this up. They got their name from T.S. Eliot's book of poetry, Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats. The book featured two mischievous cats called Mungo Jerry and Rumple uh, Tear. <laughs> See, Rumple Tit. <laughs> Rumple Tear? I must have misspelled that. Rumple something. That's ridiculous. <laughs> the Hat. This is a Roger Miller original. Uh, this was on his 1979 album, Making a Name for Myself, and is likely the album that was being pushed during this performance. Mm, makes sense. Not in the episode, not in the episode that you saw if you watched on Disney Plus in the U.S., but in the U.K. spot here was down at the old Bull and Bush, a drinking song featuring a German Oompa band. Uh, and this was in the U.K. spot specifically. The old Bull and Bush is a registered and historic pub in Hampstead Heath area of London. And there's a Bull and Bush pub here in Orlando as well. It's a very fun place. Ooh. Uh, Pop Goes the Re- Weasel, likely written in the early 1800s. Uh, one of the verses makes mention of the Eagle, which was a pub in London that closed in 1825. Wow. Uh, this became a hit in the royal court, and it was accompanied by a, quote, highly fashionable dance recently introduced at Her Majesty and Nobility's private soirees, end quote. All around the mulberry bush. <laughs> you do. You had a do-wack-a-do 
dang me, my uncle used to love me, but he, but she died. You can't roller skate in a Buffalo herald. heard all Roger Miller songs and all ones that made him famous. Uh, and Roger Miller won a ton of awards over his career, including 11 Grammy awards. Wow. And a Tony for writing the music and lyrics for the eighties Broadway smash hit big river. Hmm. And two of his songs, Dang Me and King of the Road, have been inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. King of the Road is a pretty big song, but sung by somebody King else. King of the Road. Yeah. yeah. So, Jeremy, what did you think was the best Muppeteering moment in this week's episode? I usually like going for complexity and like how they pull that off. And I think the penguins on the Mayflower was definitely <laughs> a crazy huge undertaking. Even though you, you knew how they did the back line where it was just like penguins on sticks. Yeah. You kind of forget, did. though, after a while. Right. right. <laughs> you. You had to give it respect first. <laughs> for there's so many of them. And there's so many of throwing them. them overboard and there's like water splashing and stuff. And I was like, that's that's just a crazy amount of work. <laughs> uh, I think I mentioned this earlier. My best material goes to uh, just getting to see chicken versions of everybody. That's true. Yeah. Um, because I, my favorite being uh, chicken scooter with the glasses, I think is my favorite. Oh, yeah. He transforms his glasses are still there. <laughs> Uh, so, Jeremy, what did what happened on this week's episode of Star Trek, the original series? All right. So this week we have Whom the Gods Destroy, and we have the Enterprise arriving at Elba 2. That's a Federation facility for the criminally insane because they apparently have a cure for violent insanity that they want to test out on the inmates there. And Kirk and Spock beam down and they're greeted by director Donald Corey. But they quickly find out that director Corey is actually Garth of Izar, an old former Starfleet captain who went insane after an accident. And he's gained the ability to shapeshift from some planet that he studied this on. Um, they kind of throw that away. They don't really explain that very well. Um, the real director, Corey, has been tortured and is being held in a cell. And at that moment, Garth lets the other inmates out and explains that he wants to take over the universe. And the other in- inmates are now his crew. It's like Arkham Asylum getting loose, basically. Uh, Garth then imprisons Spock and Kirk and takes the form of Kirk and tries to get Scotty to beam him up to the ship. But apparently Kirk had made some passcode for getting on the ship before he beamed down for some reason. And Garth doesn't know the passcode, so he says he was just testing Scotty. But Scotty back in the ship is a little suspicious, but he can't beam a security team down because the entire facility is covered in a force field. So Garth then holds a banquet for Kirk and Spock and has his consort, Marta, who's an Orion inmate at the facility, do a a nice green girl dance for them. Uh, Garth then inquires about the passcode, but Kirk refuses to give it to him. So Garth puts director Corey in a torture machine and then Kirk and then Kirk later on in the torture machine as well. But Marta then uh, Marta, the Orion, starts to beg Garth to stop torturing Kirk, saying that she thinks she can get the passcode out of him in a different way. So Kirk is passed out and he's brought to a room. And once he wakes up in bed, Marta professes her love for him, of course. (laughs) So Kirk tries to use this to his advantage to get her to take him to the control rooms. They can take down the force field and beam down a security team. But she goes to stab him. And just at that moment, Spock arrives just in time to Vulcan nerve pincher. And then he goes off with Kirk to the control room. But once there, Kirk finds out that Spock is actually Garth in disguise again. And he was just trying to get Kirk to say the passcode. So Garth then takes Kirk and Spock to his coronation as the master of the universe. Um, But Kirk escapes to the control room, but Garth stops him there and then shows him that he has taken Marta the Orion outside in the poisonous air and put an explosive he invented in her and he blows her up. And he says he has a whole bottle of this new explosive that could blow up the entire planet just with that one bottle. Uh, Spock is able to overpower the rest of Garth's crew elsewhere and comes in the control room to find two Kirks. Oh no, which one is the real one? So which one's Garth in disguise? 
So Spock doesn't know who to stun, but when Kirk says, just stun us both and we'll sort it out later on the ship, Spock then knows that that's the real Kirk and he stuns the other one. So they get Garth and his crew safely up to the Enterprise where they give them the medicine to cure them of their violent insanity, as it's put. Uh, Garth is healed and he remembers nothing since he got his injury that caused him to go insane many years ago. So that's the episode of Star Trek. What do you think, Steve? All right. Things I liked. Key Luke. Yeah. He he was the old man in Gremlins and Gremlins 2. Which is my favorite movies ever. And, and he is that. in this episode <laughs> of Star Trek. It was very, very exciting. And apparently he was also the original Cato in the, the Green Hornet from the 40s, huh. which is pretty cool. I didn't know, realize that. He was much younger. Uh, I like the super villain team reveal. <laughs> uh, we get evil Kirk, which is fun. Yeah. Uh, talk about a love to hate villain. Garth was so pompous and over the top and cruel that like it really made you hate him in a good way. He was kind of like, um, what's his face? The the guy we've had in two episodes who's really funny and oh God, I can't think of his name now. He's got the you have the bride, the wife he's trying to get away from and the little lady robots he made. Oh, mud. Mud. Thank you. Harry Mud. Harry yeah. mud. <laughs> he's kind of like that over the top and ridiculous. Uh, I liked that the audience got tricked, but Kirk didn't. Uh, when Spock comes to rescue him, but it's just the guy who's changed into Spock now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Kirk doesn't fall for it. I was surprised. Like I didn't catch anything until Kirk caught it. And he's like, wait, why don't you give the password? You give the thing. <laughs> I can't captain. And I like the makeshift throne room scene with his coordination for whatever reason. That was just very visually pleasing. They to put me. a chair on the table and yeah. <laughs> <sit> up there <laughs> uh, things I disliked. I had a lot of I had a lot of issues with this episode. Mm. Uh, so, despite all the nice things I just said, this may be one of my least favorite this season. Oh wow! There was too much stuff going on, <laughs> too many threads being pulled at the same time. And what I mean by that is, Garth was such a good actor, and honestly, the, one of the best played villains we've seen, I think, in all of Star Trek. But they took him and they confused the shit out of his character mm. because he was. He was a shapeshifter for some reason, and that would have been enough to play a whole episode. But then he's also crazy, and that would have been enough to play a whole episode. But he's also a genius and discovered a super explosive. (laughs) That would have been enough to cover a whole episode. But it was too much stuff. He was a shapeshifter, and he's crazy, and he's got super explosives. <laughs> what? Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Don't need all of those at the same time. It was too much. It's like they had three different villains and they're like, ah, oh, we only got one episode left. Just put it all together. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I felt like this episode was like when you have three little bars of soap and you try desperately to press them into one big one. You do that a lot. This feels, this feels like this deadly scum. I just need one more. <laughs> one more uh, shower. Come on. You can make it. One more. You can do it, baby. <laughs> um, I love they just offhandedly talk about, oh, yes, he learned cellular metamorphosis from this planet. Yeah, just throw it a throwaway line. <laughs> what? Hold on. <laughs> so anyone can just go and learn this? It's a supernatural ability you can learn without having any Hold technology. On. Uh, when Garth was listing other conquerors, I was really hoping we were going to get a reference to Khan. Yeah, they should have. They should have. It would have been an easy win. 
Uh, then the man, and then it felt like that we didn't need check-ins with the enterprise. Mm, there was a couple. They of them. kept. They were. They were like, "Oh, we got to show them. What are they going to be doing? Uh, standing around talking about how they can't do anything." All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that do that one more time. <laughs> right. Right. But they did it so much that even in the end, it wasn't a real solution. Yeah. Uh, we could. We can't shoot through it, or we would risk killing everybody down there. Well, there's one thing we could try, says Scotty. We could try shooting through it. <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> Hold on. Just over oh, there, in that little part over on there. The, on the far side of the planet. <laughs> oh, so shooting at it was the solution. <laughs> Felt like you could have done this hours ago, yeah? <laughs> um, and Okay, so this bugs me, and I think I said this in the one, which we just reviewed on a play on nerds. Mm-hmm. Uh, the identity swap thing at the end with Spock deciding who's the real Kirk was so hollow. It was so hollow and relied on so much suspension of disbelief because it feels like in that situation that like, not only that, once you know, there's doppelgangers around, it feels like you're going to stop and say like, all right. So if they were ever next to each other and you're looking at me, you don't know which one's real Kurt. I'm going to look at you and I'm going to say, butt farts. <laughs> and when you hear butt farts, you're going to know it's me. Okay. And you're going to say cheeseburger in response. <laughs> right. And I'm going to know it's you. Okay, cool. Good thing we got that out of the way, just in case there's a situation where there's two of us as doppelgangers and the other one has a gun. <laughs> right. It feels like this conversation would come up. It's funny because actually in some of the trivia I read, uh, Leonard Nimoy did complain to the writers saying this wasn't believable, that scene, because he's like, he would be easily able to tell which was the real Kirk. He'd have some kind of question to ask. Something. <laughs> it felt like there would be any number of questions he could have right. asked. So he actually he complained about like, that. How do you like your coffee, Kirk? <laughs> Two creams. Pew, blast the other guy. Like, um, Yeah, I, I agree with Nimoy. <laughs> so, so yeah just for too Mark, much stuff yeah one of the things they pointed out too is leonard nimoy in his biography said that he wasn't happy this episode was so similar to an earlier episode called dagger of the mind that we watched where they also went to like a mental facility and were tortured in that same exact machine uh do yeah, you re- yeah. recall that one i it's, thought that the, yeah the chair yeah. yes and it was also like a former starfleet or federation guy who had gone rogue uh, it's like almost exactly the same kind of setup. And he was like, this yeah, is the was, same. Episode. He was like a mad doctor, basically, in that one. Yeah. And they bring up that apparently like there's a lot of references to um, forgery or not forgery, uh, plagiarism. When she like starts plagiarizing things and claiming that they're her own. She's like she quotes Shakespeare and says that she yeah. made it up. I wrote it. And so they're basically like winking at the fact that this is basically a plagiarization of that earlier episode. <laughs> no one's going to know. Well, yeah, I mean, I I actually liked it more than you did, because um, I think that it was similar to Dagger of the Mind, but that was done better. And I think Garth just stood out more than that. Other, I can't even remember the, the main villain of that episode, but I can't, I'm always gonna remember Garth now. You know, it's like he's unique and interesting. Um, yeah. And who doesn't like an Orion dancing girl, too? I mean, that was that's true. That was an amazing sequence <laughs> that pulls it up for me a little bit. So I think it's still I was wrong. I take it all back. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, it was more of an upper middle episode for this, especially for this season. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I had some big issues. I get it. Well, we got some trivia for this thing. Uh, the plot of inmates taking over the asylum. Uh, I already mentioned that one. That's but similar to Dagger of the Mind. Um, the episode's title is often misattributed to the um, Greek playwright Euripides. However, the phrase whom the gods would destroy, they first make mad, is spoken by Prometheus in Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's poem, The Mask of Pandora. 
And although Garth is a former Starfleet captain whose exploits were studied by Kirk at Starfleet Academy, and thus at least a decade older than Kirk, the actor who played Garth, uh, Steve Innot, 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 is he's only he's three years younger than William Shatner. Actually, they kind of kind of wow. age him up. They sprayed some gray in his hair and stuff, but he's younger than Kirk. Um, and in the United Kingdom, we mentioned this in the previous episode. This is one of those episodes that they didn't run in syndication at all until the early 1990s due to its content, of, I guess, of torture and that kind of thing. Okay. Um, I can see it. Also, the character of Garth led to a historic legal battle between CBS Paramount and the fan filmmaking community just a few years ago. Um, a battle of pitting digital rights and owners and the community, which was fostered their growth in the first place. The Star Trek fan community... Uh, made this film called Axanar and they were raising over a million dollars um, in Kickstarter funds for it. And Axanar, okay. as you mentioned the episode of like the big battle he was famous for, I think it's what it was. Um, and so they're gonna make a story. They're gonna show Garth actually in that battle and how he became a famous commander and how he went insane and that kind of thing. It would have been a great story. Um, but since they raised so much money and it got the attention of Paramount, they're like, you can't Uh-oh. just, you can't just take money and make our stuff in our you know franchise. So it actually, struck struck it down and made a precedent for a legal precedent where for fan films everywhere like you have to be so careful now because of that lawsuit um to where you're making money off of a fan film it has to be free freely available you make no money off of it that's the only way you can actually make it um so yeah it was a big deal uh, this is the last live action appearance of the Orions in the Star Trek franchise until Star Trek Enterprise uh, episode called Borderland 35 years later so we don't nice. see the Inter- we don't see the Orions for a while <laughs> Um, the Orion actress Yvonne Craig later plays Batgirl in the Batman TV show and a feature film. And and our next episode has Frank Gorshin, who plays the Riddler, uh, who. We, so if you watch listen to our play on nerds podcast, we did an episode of the 1966 Batman movie and Frank Gorshin's in that. And he's our next episode. But Yvonne Craig also has a connection to Batman as well. Nice. And also, like you said, Key Luke, he's the, the governor of the colony. He's uh, the grandfather in Gremlins and uh Started his career in 1940s as Cato, so he had like a 50-year career, man. It's pretty awesome. That's right. So any uh, Trek connections, Muppet connections? This oh, time? man. So there's this really depressing song called Rudy Don't Take Your Love to Town. Mm-hmm. And it's about a disabled war vet watching his wife get ready to go out for a night on the town, presumably to meet another man. Hey. Right. Well, both Roger Miller and Leonard Nimoy have covered this song. Oh, Weird. <laughs> And then Roger Miller played Alan Adale, the rooster musician in the now Disney classic Robin Hood. And the movie was also John Fielder, better known as the voice of Piglet, who was featured in as Hengist in Star Trek the original series episode Wolf in the Fold, uh-huh. where Scotty is accused of murder. I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. Both of them in Disney's Robin Hood. Very cool. That's all you got for us. Dude, it can't all be gold. <laughs> no, those are good. <laughs> I mean, and it's it's okay though because these were the same episode, and uh, it's true they're so similar because everyone on the Muppet Show was turning into chickens. Uh, they were having trouble identifying each other, just like how Spock had trouble identifying which <laughs> Kirk was the real Kirk. <laughs> You're right. Neither made sense. <laughs> uh, both feature people being imprisoned, the prisoners on the asylum planet, and the pig in the bear on patrol sketch. That's very true. Um, everyone has turned into chickens on the Muppet Show, but they will eventually get better. Just like everyone in the asylum on the Star Trek episode has gone insane, but with the medicine, they'll get better too. 
<laughs> nice. Can't I'm realizing gold. my second one was basically the same as your first one, and I forgot to agree, <laughs> but both feature shape shifting. That's very true. <laughs> oh, what's that noise? Transporter yeah. malfunction. Transporter malfunction. All right, it's the part of the episode where we transport one character from one episode to the other and vice versa. So what you got for us, Steve? Uh, first Trek to uh, uh, Muppets to Trek, Link Hothrob is going to come over as the haphazard jailer and replace Key Luke's character. Hmm. Uh, he told me there was candy in here. and I lowered the force field and he tricked me. Hmm. <laughs> Stupid Link Hothrob. I love it. Um, up at the Star Trek, I have Roger Miller to replace Garth. Um, he could actually add a little more of a sedate kind of calculated insanity performance that rather than the over the top Garth, he'd be like scatting and being really crazy and insane. And he'd be kind of frightening and intimidating, actually. I can get on board with that. Yeah. Uh, I realize I accidentally did another Muppets to track, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> That's fine. I want to bring over Cluckitis <laughs> and add had one more thing. There's already so many things. We had one more thing and an infection side story where Kirk and the crew are additionally racing to get out of the asylum before everyone turns into chickens. <laughs> Bones on the ship racing to get a cure for the cluckitis. Uh, I specialized in turkeys, damn it. <laughs> I'm a doctor, not a farmer. Uh, Star Trek to Muppets. I have Garth would come over and replace Roger Miller. So they basically switch places for mine. I like that. They're uh, both very, very enthusiastic. Yeah, because he would be great at singing those weird unhinged songs, and he would add a lot of enthusiasm to it. I think he'd be a great performer with the Muppets. Bring Garth on Agreed. over. Agreed. Get Garth <laughs> over here. So that brings us to the end of episode 70 of the Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for The Muppet Show with special guests Roy Rogers and Dale Evans. And original series episode, Let That Be Your Last Battlefield. So from the lovers, the dreamers, and us. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Muppet Trek Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds. <laughs>